0: In the name of God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Would all the kids and the teenagers up through the 12th grade please come forward. Sit with me. You want to sit right here? You want to sit right here? Bum, bum. Do I, like I see, who's this? Pikachu. Who? Pikachu. Is um, um, This is Pikachu? Mm-hmm. Oh. No, has got this. Oh. Does Pikachu, let me ask you a question. Does Pikachu know Jesus? No. <laughs> he, needs, he needs to know Jesus. You have to tell him um, about Jesus. Uh, yes. Oh, yeah. he's, Pikachu said Yes. Jesus Good. Way to tell him. Way to tell him about Jesus. Do you, do you know Jesus? Yes. 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 Good. I know Jesus. I, too. I'm going to. I'm going to sit. right y'all stay right there because I can't see any of you now. know Jesus. <laughs> so let me ask you some questions. Anybody see any crosses in this church? You see. You see crosses. You see some crosses. Yes. You do. Uh, why Why do you think we have why do you think we have crosses here in the church hmm? for Lent well we are in the season of Lent this is the second Sunday of the season of Lent and yes we do pay attention to the cross especially in the season of Lent but we always have crosses in the church don't we why do you why do you think the cross is so important? Why? Because it
1: reminds us of Jesus. It reminds
0: us of Jesus doing what? Dying. Dying for us on the cross. Sit right here by me. Sit right here by me. Here do You know why you put the on? No, I don't know why. Why you put the on? No. Let me ask you a question. Why do you think we have purple hangings? Why do you? We don't usually have purple. Why do you think we have purple? Yeah, purple paints. Purple? You know why we have purple? Because it's the season of Lent. That's right. Forty days and forty nights, not counting Sundays. Right? Right. Purple grapes. Purple grapes? Yeah, I like purple grapes, but I gave up purple grapes for Lent. What's green? Green is for Epiphany and. For the season after Pentecost. And it was black. black is for like holy week sometimes. No. Yes it is. <laughs> yes it is. No. Wait, it's let so me crazy. wait. Wait, let me finish, okay? Let too. me finish, okay? So God So Jesus said in the Jesus said in the gospel reading I can't God, see your eyes. Jesus said in the gospel reading today, he said, You must take up your cross and follow me. Um, do you, do you think he meant that we need to bite. Do you think... Just, <laughs> mommy just watched it Let for me. me. Uh, my, okay, can I watch it for you? Mm-hmm. Okay, do you think that Jesus meant that we need mm-hmm. to go out there and die on the cross like he did? Yeah, might be.: No, no he, didn't, he didn't mean that, did he? We, Surely he didn't mean God. that. But I can tell you what I think he meant, that there are people who get so caught up into things, like get, they get caught up in money, and that becomes the most important thing in their lives, or they get caught up in work, and that becomes the most important thing in their lives, or drugs, or alcohol, or things that just are not associated with Jesus. I and I think, Jesus us, is, I think what Jesus is telling Peter, us, I think what Jesus is telling us, he doesn't have wiping. Right oh, okay, I think what Jesus is telling us is that if we get caught up in Jesus, that's taking up our cross. Doesn't mean we we hang on the cross with nails in our hands. It means that we pay a whole lot more attention to Jesus than we do anything else. We sacrifice. And during the season of Lent, we sacrifice certain things. Did anybody give anything up for Lent? Candy or or ice cream or I want ice cream. Alcohol. I love ice cream too. You know, one of the things we one of the things we do during Lent. If we give up something, it's another way of saying, God, you're more important to me than, than this. And it's just a way of saying, I'm denying myself, God, and I'm, and, I'm, and I'm following after you, especially during this season of Lent, as we walk with Jesus to the cross. As we walk with Jesus to the cross. You think about that, okay? Shake. Yeah, shake. Okay, there we go. All right. So you want to take Pikachu and go back to your... Mama. Yes. Okay. All right. Y'all can go back to where you belong. If you want me to get a packet over here, you can get, get one from Mister Davis. Okay. Now I really need some help. Yes, you do. <laughs> right. I love that little boy. So it is, we are in the season of Lent. You could say I gave up jokes. You could say that, but maybe I didn't. Well, you will in a minute. And so I'm not going to tell a joke, but I'm going to tell a cute story since it is Lent. Lent. So it's a story that seems to be a true story about a woman who lived over in Galveston. And she had a pet parakeet named Chippy. And what I hope that you will learn from this story is to not make the same mistakes that this woman made. You know, one day she was vacuuming her floor in her home, which was well and good because I'm sure her floor needed vacuuming. But then she decided to clean out the bottom of Chippy's cage with the same vacuum cleaner. Mistake number one, don't do that. Telephone rang. She turned to answer the phone without turning the vacuum cleaner off. Mistake number two, don't do that. And yes, you guessed it. Poor little Chippy got sucked right through the hose into the canister she quickly dropped the phone shut off the vacuum cleaner opened up the canister thank goodness there was chippy feathers askew dirt all over his little body stunned but alive As she rushed into the bathroom with little chippy in her hand she held the bird under the faucet turned the water on full blast mistake number three don't do that and then she spotted the hair dryer, and she turned, she turned it to the hot high position, mistake number four. The blast of hot air certainly did the trick. Little Chippy was all dry, but barely hanging on to dear life. Her husband came home from work. She tells him the whole story. The next day he goes to work. He calls home to see how little Chippy's doing. And the wife gave the kind of reply that we would all expect. Well, she said, Chippy doesn't sing much anymore. He just sort of sits there and stares. And I have the feeling that from time to time, many of you, including myself, were just like a little Chippy. There are times when it feels like we've had our cages vacuumed. We've felt sucked into the dirt bag, stuck under the faucet, hit with a blast of hot air. And we don't really sing much anymore. We just kind of sit there and stare. Don't we all have days like that? My guess is that's what Abraham must have felt like. When he was told by God to do what what we read about in our Old Testament reading this morning. And maybe that's what Isaac felt like too after the whole episode was over and done with. You know what I'm talking about, right? Isaac was just a little boy. When to see what Abraham was made of, God said that he was to take Isaac up into the hills Make a burnt offering of him, of Isaac. Abraham didn't have the heart to tell Isaac what was going on. And my guess is he didn't mention a word of it to his wife either. And there's a good reason for that. With one possible exception, there has perhaps never been a more longed-for birth, a more rejoiced-in birth than that of Isaac's. Sarah was already in her 90s when an angel told her that after years of being barren, she and her 100-year-old husband, Abraham, were finally going to have a child that God had promised them. Can you imagine the household explosion if Abraham had told Sarah, Honey, I'm going out for a couple days. I'm going up to the mountains to sacrifice our son, Isaac. Isaac. I'll be back. No, I don't believe Abraham had the heart to tell Sarah or to tell Isaac what he was up to. And so a mule was loaded down with the things they needed for making the fire, but the sacrificial animal was conspicuously absent. And when Isaac asked about it, Abraham choked out an evasive answer as best he could, saying something like, Don't worry, God will provide a lamb for the burnt offering, my son. But by the time the wood was all laid out and ready to be lit, Isaac no longer had any doubts as to what lay in store for him. And maybe the reason he didn't fight for his life was that suddenly it didn't seem to him all that much worth fighting for. He let himself be tied up, laid out on top of the wood like an unblemished lamb. And shaking like a leaf, the old man got as far as raising the knife above his head when God spoke up at last and he said he'd seen all that he needed to see. And then Abraham looked over and he saw a ram tangled up in a bush, just waiting to be used as a sacrifice. Now, when it comes to understanding this passage, the question I hear most often is, why in the world would a loving God ask a father to sacrifice his own son? I mean, it was one thing for God to command Abraham to leave his homeland to venture in faith to an unnamed land. But it is indeed a wholly different proposition for Abraham to set off on a journey, the object of which is the sacrifice of his son. Uncharacteristically for Abraham, he sets off on this inconceivable journey without saying a word. Literally without saying a word. Why is Abraham so silent about this command? Is this the same person who so willingly, so effectively negotiates with his kinfolk in chapter 13 of the same book? Is this the same person who so willingly, so effectively negotiates With his allies in chapter 14, with the local princes in chapter 20? Is this the same Abraham who negotiates and bargains with God himself in chapter 18? Why in the world does he fall completely silent here with the acceptance of his own son's death sentence? You know, we instinctively regard such a command from God as being out of character. This is not the God whom we know and in whom we believe. How can the God of grace who called Abraham in the first place be presented as the same God who calls for the sacrifice of anyone, let alone a child, upon whom all the promises of the future depend? These questions about God would would command such a thing it makes us theologically feel like we've had our cages vacuumed, like we've been sucked into this dirt bag, stuck under the faucet, hit with the blast of hot air. Our God is definitely not the kind of God who would command such an inconceivable, conceivable, abominable, detestable, abhorrent action from one of his creatures. That is why we wouldn't, we wouldn't think so until we get to our second reading today, our epistle reading. St. Paul reminds us of something we tend to take for granted these days. In our society, it would be unheard of to think that our God would command someone to sacrifice his or her child. But then we remember through the words of St. Paul that our great God did not even spare his own son but gave him up for us all. And through that sacrifice of his son, God's son, we come to find out just how much God loves us. As the old question expresses, how much does God love us? God loves us this much. That kind of of God must have had a purpose in mind when he commanded Abraham to do what Abraham almost did but the important thing to remember is that God did not allow Abraham to go through with that child sacrifice God stopped Abraham in the name of love just as God allowed the crucifixion in the name of love We do not and cannot ever fully comprehend the mind of God. But as Christians, we can be as confident as St. Paul when he says, for I am convinced that neither death nor life nor angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future nor any any power, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is found in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing can separate us. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.